This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, we got a really fun episode, very uh, inspirational, especially for the women out there that really want to take it to the next level. This is a really good episode. I want to call out uh, waymarkgearco.com. Anyway, just an amazing company. The packs have been just all over the internet. People are loving his packs. Mark over there, he's got some help. He's got a new place he's making them, and I still want to have him on an episode. I would love to do that, um, but uh, I know he's busy, especially during the summer, so maybe come fall or winter, but uh, anyway, go check him out. Follow him on Instagram, Waymark Gear Co., and check out all the different varieties, styles, uh, colors, build your own pack, do all the fun stuff. I love his packs. My kids love his packs, and so does Monica, won one at the last live show. So anyway, that is something to go check out. Also, uh, of course, Six Moon Designs. And by the way, I believe both companies, but I know Six Moon Designs for sure will be at Pacific Crest Trail Days, uh, with All the West, um, WTA, a bunch of, bunch of folks. But uh, Six Moon Designs, definitely for sure. Go check out their tent at PCT Days. And tell them the Cascade Hiker podcast sent you. It won't get you anything cool, but hey, at least it'll show that these ads are kind of reaching some people and letting them know. Uh, and of course, if you ever see Mark over Waymark Gearco, you know, let him know the same thing. And anyway, this is a fun episode. Let me see. Oh, and just to kind of let you know, PCT Days is down at Cascade Locks, Oregon, a beautiful site there on the Columbia River. And it's, uh, let's see, is it August 16th through the 18th? So. I'll be there on the 17th for sure, probably the 16th, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, come find me. I've, I'm usually working in the All the West booth, and if not, uh, you can at least go there and, and ask them because they'll probably know where I am because that's kind of who I hung, hang out with there, some good friends with the All the West folks. So and anyway, yeah, just uh, <laughs> you don't have to tell anybody the Cascade Hiker podcast sent you, but it is kind of fun to uh, kind of let people know that, hey, I heard about you here, and um, these sponsors are, are fun and they've just been really cool over the years, especially Waymark Gearco has been with me for a long time. Don't be afraid to come up and say hi. I've had a few people like, Hey, I saw you at PCT days, but you look like you were kind of busy. Oh, that's crap. <laughs> I mean, not to those people, but seriously, if you see me in the future, come say hi. It means a lot to me. And, um, I'll give you a sticker or something if I have them or a business card or something, but uh, enjoy Tough Girl Challenges here and check her out on all the social media sites she mentions at the end. Enjoy the show. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name is Sarah Williams and I am from the UK. I live very close to Liverpool, so up in the northwest of England. Awesome. It's good to hear your voice. <laughs> I, uh, I've interviewed a few people from the UK and uh, I, let me tell you, I, I don't know if it's just uh, all Americans or whatever, but uh, we love your accent. <laughs> I was going to say, I get, I definitely get that a lot when I'm in America. Everyone's like, oh my God, are you from the UK? Do you know the Queen? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah, us Americans, you know, we're always about the TV and the, and the, the, the tabloids. Um, hey, can you, um, 
I, I just you reached out to me, which I think is awesome. I've been trying to tell people lately that's the best thing to do. Um, thank you for that. And um, w- after I looked you up, uh, first thing I noticed about you was this uh, big bicycle trek that you just recently, well, sort of recently, got on. Uh, finished up in the in America, I believe. And what was that? And, and can you tell us a little details about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I basically, I'd, I'd finished, uh, I'd just done my done my master's and I handed my dissertation in and I thought, what am I going to do next? And um, I thought, you know, the perfect time to go and cycle Pacific Coast Highway is in September. So last September, I flew out to Canada, flew out to Vancouver, went to a bicycle shop, found myself this very sort of rusty secondhand bike that would do the job. And I basically <laughs> cycled down the Pacific Coast Highway. And then I actually then crossed over the border into Mexico. And um and carried on down there's like this mountainous off-road section called the Baja Divide so I started out on that with like a different mountain bike but I only got sort of like four days in before my back right broke on my bike and I ended up having to like push my bike out and walk it back onto the road so I had to then go back onto like highway one and so I continued cycling down and ended up in Cabo San Lucas so that took me about three months over 4,000 kilometers cycle so yeah a pretty big adventure but lot you know lots of fun very different from hiking and stuff like that but you know great fun challenge to do. Oh, absolutely. And um, let me let me ask you some more about that. I mean, is this a is this a route where there's like like a lot of people doing it um, at the same time? Did you see people out there? Yeah, so actually, the Pacific Coast Highway is it's a really, really popular route to do. Um, it's, it's just so stunning, you know, especially when you're you're riding down the coast and you've got the Pacific Ocean and you're driving past things like Big Sur and you're also going through, you know, like the, the redwood forest with all the massive redwood trees. Um, so there's there's about there's campsites maybe every 20, 25 miles. So it is really, really popular. So you end up cycling. You know, I ended up cycling with a whole variety of different people um, along the route. Mexico wasn't as popular. I didn't really see that many people. Maybe maybe about fifteen or twenty twenty cyclists um, throughout the the months I was cycling down there. But it is yeah, it's definitely a really really popular thing to do. I mean, it's it's an, it's an incredible experience, an incredible way to to see the world as well because you just go at such such a nice pace that you can really sort of absorb it all and take it all in and still be out in the fresh air and still get to see everything as well. Yeah, well, uh, and then coming all the way over here t- uh, to my neck of the woods, basically to kind of do something like that, um, you obviously had to do a lot of research ahead of time, and I, I guess I didn't even consider having to buy a bike. So, can you get a little bit more into that of how how was that? Were you kind of like on the? I don't know. Were you stressed out about that part of it at all? Um. Well, to that, like I done, I had done quite a bit of research and. It, trying to actually figure out what to do with the bike was actually one of the biggest issues because you know do I do I send my bike over and because I knew I was going to basically need two bikes while I was over there for the two parts of the challenge um, it made it sort of really really complicated and to add another element of complication uh, when I left Mexico I wasn't actually flying back to the UK I was actually flying on to Australia so I basically didn't want to end up with a bike in Mexico that that I bought so luckily I had a friend she said to me he's like well my parents live 200 miles north of LA I've got an off-road mountain bike it's a Surly it's got the three inch tires which is what you need for the off-road section down in Mexico you know you can borrow that bike so I thought brilliant that's fantastic that'll sort me out for the Mexico part of the trip and I thought I did my research and did some research into how much it would cost me to post that bike back to back to LA and it came up as like you know a hundred dollars so I thought perfect and then the other thing I researched when I was flying out to Vancouver was you know would I be able to buy a second-hand bike you know was that feasible was that possible and then they basically had a couple of these bike shops where they um, 
repaired and rebuilt bikes and they did have those types of bikes available so I sort of was able to like budget it out but it was still there was like four shops that I could go and go and check out but on my second day when I got over to Vancouver I headed straight to the shop explained to the guy look this is what I want to do and he was like how much do you want to spend and I was like as little as possible I'm doing this on a really really tight budget and he showed me you know a couple of bikes in like thousands of dollars range and I was like she like no 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 no. What, what else have you got for me what else can you do excuse me and they just you know they did actually have like the perfect bike basically they only had like one bike which was fit me because I'm quite tall so I'm like five foot nine so they had a great bike they added a rack on you know added a bell added a mirror bought a couple of panniers and and that was it really so it's yeah it's uh, it sounds quite random I think it freaked a lot of people out because um you know not knowing whether or not you'd be able to do it um but yeah it just sort of all all worked out and I actually I filmed the whole trip as well so people can actually see watch the vlogs as I'm going to the shop I'm talking with the guy you can see his face like what the heck is she going to be doing like this is absolutely crazy um yeah but you know yeah definitely quite scary but I did know the route I knew the route I wanted to go is you know it's a very popular route but I knew I wanted to head over to Vancouver Island and then head down the coast as much as possible so I headed over to a little town called Forks and then basically stuck to the coast um all, all the way down really yeah, well, Forks is a is a popular town uh, for a lot of hikers because the Pacific Northwest Trail goes right through there as well. Oh, I thought you were going to say because of Twilight, and uh, I was going <laughs> to, and I was I'm, like, I was thinking, are you a Twilight fan? That's so random. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, you know, I'm hoping my daughters uh, maybe get into something like that. I, I like them to read and, um, you know, as much as possible. So hopefully, maybe they'll get into that and watch the movies as well. Is that? Were you a fan of that? I, I like I'd seen the movies. I wouldn't say that I was a massive fan, but I really wanted to go see um, like the beach part. Like, so there's a beach called La Push, but apparently that the bit that they filmed in the movies wasn't the same beach. But I ended up um, going out there, and it was absolutely stunning. So there's a group of people. We're having this amazing campfire, marshmallows on the campfire, watching the sunset. And it was it was incredible. Um, and I think one of the nice things for me is actually getting into getting into town, sort of like you know half two three ish. And having enough time to sort of explore and, and you know, see more of the area and do a little bit more of the touristy thing. So, yeah, it was definitely it was actually still one of the highlights from my trip. I'm really glad you went out to La Push. You know, a lot of people come out to Washington and they, they go to our coast and they'll maybe hit up like Ocean Shores or, or that kind of thing. Long Beach down there. And uh, they, they don't see some of the better parts of our coast like La Push. So I'm glad you did that. Yeah, there was also there was a great cycling track as well, and I think it was called like the Olympic Discovery Trail or the Discovery Trail. And somebody basically just told me about it, like maybe like three or four days before. And I thought this is abs- I've you know, I've got to do this. I ended up cycling by this lake, and it was possibly I think it was the Olympic Discovery Trail. Cycling by the side of this lake. And it was just absolutely stunning. So I do love it when you, you can discover these sort of out-of-way out places that maybe sort of aren't on the map, aren't as populated as such. So I think that's always nice to be able to do stuff like that. Right on. Well, um, because we're talking about the West Coast right now um, in America here, have you done any other uh, adventures here in America? So, the, well, the other adventure I did was the Appalachian Trail. So I threw hiked um, the Appalachian Trail in 2017. So from Springer Mountain in Georgia all the way up to Mount Katahdin, Mount Katahdin in Maine. So I did that in um, 100 days. So that was quite in- intense, doing you know, 22 miles per day every day for um, for the whole three and a bit months. And so one of the reasons I wanted to come back to the States again was to do was to do a cycling challenge because it was something something different. So those are the main the main big challenges I've done really is the Appalachian Trail and Pacific Coast Highway. But I 
definitely want to come back and do the Pacific Crest Trail at some point. I think that would be amazing. What what sparked you to want to do the Appalachian Trail? I think I just heard a lot about it. And then I'd also started, you must have heard of, have you heard of Dixie? Uh, from Homemade Wonderless? She had like a YouTube channel and she hiked oh, it. In, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she hiked in like 2015. I remember watching like some of her vlogs and, and it was something to me. I hadn't actually heard of these like long distance uh, hiking trails. I didn't realize it was something that people went and did. And I'd heard about it. And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, initially I thought I just cannot take five months off. That's a little bit, it's just too long a time period for me. And, um, but I was looking for a longer challenge. So, so what I'd done the year before was something called, I'd done a running race called the Marathon de Sars, where you run like six marathons in six days across the Sahara Desert. But I ended up training for about 18 months for this seven-day race and event in, in Morocco. And for me, it was suddenly like, well, hold on, the next challenge I want to do, I want to make sure that it's a longer physical challenge. I don't want to spend, you know, 18 months training and then suddenly it's all over. I want to extend the journey. And so when I found out about like the Appalachian Trail, I thought, this is this is incredible. You know, just having that opportunity to walk through so many different states and through so many um, different types of vegetation and just see different parts of America. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, wow, that would be that would be a real challenge. And the reason I had to put sort of the time pressure on was just because I, I couldn't take that amount of time off. and I needed to be back in the UK by sort of September. And then I heard about a guy called Bigfoot who did it in 100 days as well. And I thought, oh, OK, well, if he can do it in 100 days, I'll do it in 100 days. That sounds, you know, that sounds super awesome. And it just sort of went from there. And I went to, you know, before I sort of announced it, I headed down to London, had to go get my, you know, make sure I could get a visa and and all that good stuff. Got my visa approved. And once that was done, flight was booked to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Decided on my start date. And I knew my finish date was going to be the 10th of September because, you know, that's that's my birthday. So I thought that's a good way to celebrate my birthday on the top of Mount Katahdin. And then before you knew it, I was... You know, I had my backpack, I had my boots, I had my, I had my tent, and I was off. I was off hiking, and um, yeah, it just all, all sort of came together really, really nicely. And it was just one of the most incredible experiences to, to be out there, to spend that much time in nature, and just to to meet so many in, incredible people while out on the trail. What uh, do people? I don't know if people ever ask you this. Um, it just kind of came to mind as I'm hearing you talk about multiple things here. Uh, what do you describe yourself as? Um, in in kind of the athletic form um do people ever say like you know what do you do exactly because it seems like you're very well rounded that way oh you know that's such a difficult question and so hard to answer um I do lots of stuff. <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, I I don't really like using the the word the word like adventurer. I, I'm even you know I'm doing the quotes around it. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily call myself like an ultra endurance athlete um, or you know or anything like that. Just because I'm doing it more for personal fun. I probably I would say because you know what I do pro- primarily is doing the podcasting, but I do promote a lot of other women who do adventures and challenges. So. I possibly would say like I'm an adventurer with a podcast or podcasting adventurer type of person. It's, it's really difficult. There's, there's so many different labels that you can end up putting on because I, I try and do like a variety of different things. So you know, whether it's, you know, running ultra marathons, whether it's sort of um, hiking or cycling or, you know, I do, um, I'm a qualified personal trainer. I'm a qualified yoga teacher. So I, whole, I have a whole variety of different things that, that I end up doing. Yeah, well, um, you know, you brought it up. You host the Tough Girl podcast, and um, I would say, based on some of the stuff that you just kind of threw out there, bicycling, marathoning over multiple days, um, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail, 
uh, you must really be able to relate to the people you're interviewing. 100%. And I think that's the, it's one of the reasons that I started doing sort of the challenges that I do, because when I think you're out there promoting this message of motivation and, and stepping outside your comfort zone and, you know, go to travel and explore and have adventures, then actually I can't just talk about it. I've actually got to, to do it as well. And I think one of the things for me is, you know, I, I didn't start out doing these, these big long endurance challenges. You know, I started like everybody else, started with like a 5k and then building it up to, to running a half marathon, then running a marathon and then, you know, adding various things on. But I, what I found is I think once you get to a certain point, so for example, running is probably the easiest way to describe it. When people say, you know, I'm going to run a marathon. So for me, 26.2 miles, I don't get scared by that distance anymore. I feel very comfortable because I've, I know I've done it multiple times. I've run further than that. You know, I've run 52 miles in a day before across, across the desert, carrying a backpack. But I don't, I don't get that internal, those butterflies in the stomach. And so the, what starts to happen is it becomes harder and harder for you to relate to other people who want to get into challenge, who want to get into adventure, who want to get into hiking, and to be able to understand their fears and help them to get over their fears so they can actually start to go out and, and do it. And so for me, by picking these bigger challenges, it scares me, but it also excites me at the same time. And I've got to figure out, well, hold on. What are these feelings? How can I overcome them? What can I learn from this? And then how can I share that with other people? So when they say, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to go and do a through hike. I'd love to go and do a big bicycle ride, but I could never do that. I'm not brave enough. I'm, you know, I'm not X, Y, and Z. Then I can hopefully, you know, provide advice and top tips to help them think, okay, well, how can, how can they break it down? How can they make this a reality? How can they change this from this, from this dream, from this, this far flung goal that they have in the distance to actually getting out there and getting hiking and doing these incredible challenges? Yeah, well, you, uh, you also can not only relate, but um, it also, it also appears. One of the things I do with my podcast is I, I really like to get kind of a an audio representation of somebody to kind of almost uh, almost give them like a timestamp, like, hey, you know, here's here's a recording of this person, um, just in case they never put down words ever again. And it's kind of fun to just kind of have like a um, kind of an encyclopedia of, well, in your case, tough girls. Um, is that also what you're doing? Hundred percent. So, um, so one of the things that I'm trying to do as well is actually sort of document my journey. So my background is I, after I graduated university, I actually went and worked down in London. I got a graduate job. I worked in you know banking and finance uh, for like eight years before I left at, at 32 and sort of completely changed my life. And so I actually wanted to sort of document that journey. So you know a couple of things that that I do to help do that is I did a daily podcast in 2017. I've like vlogged my challenges sort of daily as well. Um, but every year I do like a reflections episode. So I do have these timestamps. But what I also want to do with the women that I interview is be able to follow them on their journeys and their careers. So I have the Tough Girl podcast, which comes out on a, on a Tuesday. And I speak to these incredible women and the podcast has been going for four years now. And um, what I've started to do is do something called Tough Girl Extra, which is when I go back and speak to the women to see what they've done since we last spoke to them. So you've almost got this um, this record of, of how their careers, how their lives have progressed, because what what will end up happening with the with with a lot of these women is if they do end up going, you know, mainstream and people find out about them in like eight years time, they're like, oh, my God, how did she end up doing that? What was her backstory? I'm 
able to say, well, actually, we started speaking with her when she was 20 and we've spoken to her every two years since. And actually, we can track every challenge that she's done and what she's learned, the progress. Because I think all too often people just see the the finished product. They just see the end result. They just see you summited that mountain. You, you finished that bike ride. You, you, you know, you cross that. You cross the finish line at a race. But actually, what doesn't happen is people don't see what goes in behind that, you know, the challenges that they face, what they overcut, what they overcame along the way. Um, what they learned about themselves and how that has helped to mold them and develop them um, as a person. I think it's ab- absolutely fascinating to actually to be able to do this and to be able to speak to these women and have their voices recorded because, you know, the great thing you'll probably know about podcasting as well is being able to hear people's passion in their voices when they're talking about, you know, their lives. So, for example, I recently spoke with a lady called Lucy Barnard, who's attempting to be the first woman to walk the length of the earth from, you know, a in Argentina all the way up to Barrow in Alaska. And she's on like, you know, year two of her journey. She's got another three years to go of this. And, you know, speaking to her every year, I think will just be incredible, you know, just to see how she's changed and what she's learned along the way. Yeah, these are these are cool. And, and honestly, scrolling through on on your website, toughgirlchallenges.com, uh, under the podcast, uh, you know, URL here, I, I'm I'm scrolling through, and it's like, uh, it's just it's such a cool to see all these pictures of all these amazing women, and then just to read the little blurb you have there, just really it, it would make somebody really want to listen to all these episodes because. Um, not only just the diversity and the people that you've interviewed um, it, it, from what looks what looks to me like some models to uh, you know just some everyday people as well and, and it's amazing and and then and then you read the blurb and it's like wow really that person's doing that or that person did that um, so yeah I, I think you've done a really well job there too oh thank you so much no I mean yeah it's been it's been amazing actually I think that's that's one of the things I'm really trying to do is you know I have I've had grandmothers on I've had models turned adventurers I've had you know mums I mean what oh I spoke to this lady called Anne Daniels and she'd gone through a divorce and then she'd had triplets so three little babies who just lost her job and she decided that she wanted to become like a an arctic explorer and now she's one of the most famous British um polar explorers out there and you're just thinking wow that is that is absolutely incredible. I mean, something else I did, which was amazing, was back in 2017, I actually picked like seven ordinary ordinary women or real women, however, however you want to describe it, and who all had these a whole variety of different goals from wanting to run their first ultra, from wanting to climb a mountain, from uh, to taking their family, traveling around the world, um, and so on and so forth. And what we actually did was we spoke to these women all throughout 2017. And to be honest, it was almost like this live experiment because no one quite knew what was going to happen throughout the year. And people who you thought would 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 de- 100% were going to achieve their goals didn't achieve it for whatever reason. We had another another lady called Ray who, um, you know, her goal was to run an ultra. Then she found out um, that she was pregnant and, you know, pregnancy had never been, like she was basically told she was never going to be able to get pregnant. And then suddenly, you know, this total shock comes out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, talking through these women's fears as they go on this journey, you know, the worries and, and actually how they over, how they overcame them. And, and to actually go through it in real time is, is amazing. You know, one of the ladies I interviewed is a lady called Laura Try, and her goal was to, to row around Great Britain and then eventually to row across the Atlantic Ocean. And to be honest, listening to her talk throughout the year, it, it was incredibly worrying because she needed to raise like about $30,000, 25,000 pounds sterling. And, 
you know, what she was doing to raise the money, like the hours that she was working, the stress that she was putting herself through, you know, mentally and physically and getting herself ready for this race. It was incredibly worrying for, I think, for a lot of people to actually see behind the scenes and, and to be like, wow, okay. Because so many people can just be like, oh, you're so lucky to do that. And actually, sometimes it's not a case of luck. It's like, no, no, no. I've been doing, I've been putting in eight, 10 hours a day, every day, you know, trying to raise this money. This is what I've been doing. And then to be able to, to look back, especially for her to be able to look back and be like, oh, wow, in, in 2017, she did row around, um, she did row around Great Britain. And then late earlier on this year, she actually accomplished her other dream, which was to row across the Atlantic Ocean. So it's amazing to be able to go back and think, wow, we spoke to her in December 2016, when she shared these audacious, crazy goals with everybody. And then we could follow in her progress. So I think there's a lot of power in, in documenting in documenting how you go and achieve your challenges. I know it's something that I that I do as well, even with the Appalachian Trail or Pacific Coast Highway. Um, at one point, I was back at university, so I'm studying for my master's. I was working two part-time jobs. I'm running Tough Girl Challenges. But I'm also trying to share to people, look, this is how I'm doing it. This is how I'm paying for stuff. This is how I'm making money. This is, you know, this is how I'm doing X, Y, and Z, or this is how I've broken it down. And then people can actually see and be like, oh, okay, so that's the steps that she's took. Okay, that's how she's done that. Well, maybe I can apply the same principles to, to the goals and challenges that, that other people are going after. What is uh, the, the, so it's Tough Girl Challenges, and the podcast is Tough Girl um, mm-hmm. what is tough girl challenges? So tough girl challenges is basically when I was, after I left my job, I ended up traveling in South America for quite a while. And it was the first time I'd actually spent some time alone. Um, what, but what I mean by that is, you know, no friends, no family, no societal pressure of what I should be doing. But rather I got this amazing opportunity when I was sitting on these buses, you know, traveling for like 24 hours at a time to really ask myself the questions, hold on, what do I enjoy doing? What am I passionate about? What are my interests? What type of life do I want to be leading? You know, how do I want to spend my time? And so I came up with Tough Girl Challenges as a way for me to incorporate everything that I love and that I'm passionate about, which was challenge, adventure, travel, exploration. But the other the other side or the other thing that I'm really passionate about is motivating and inspiring other women and girls to get fit and active and to travel and explore and to see more of the world and to step outside of their comfort zone. So Tough Girl Challenges came together and I created you know, the, the website as it is now. And initially I thought, oh, I'll start blogging. I'll, I'll write about, you know, some of the different travel I've done, some of the different adventures I've done and people will be so inspired and, you know, it'll be amazing. And, you know, obviously like nobody read my blog at all and it didn't really have any of the impact that I was wanting. And um, one of the one of the next things I wanted to do is, you know, it's very important for me to reach out to, to young women and girls and just say, look, there's these are the role models of women out there and this is what they're doing so that they could see it and they can see other women doing it. Then hopefully they can they can become it. So I started doing a lot of like motivational speaking, which was incredible. I was going into, into these girls schools and and talking to them about challenging themselves. And, you know, when I was 18, I went and backpacked around the world and and had, had done various sort of quite out there, out there things, which was great to be able to, to share with them. And, um, and I remember some of these young girls telling me, we were talking about their goals, and a couple of the young girls told me that they wanted to grow up and to be a wag. So in the UK, that means basically the wife and girlfriend of like a footballer. So it would be in the America, it would be like, I want to grow up and marry like an NFL player or something. And I was just so like disappointed and just thought we cannot have this whole generation of women growing up with that being their sole aim and goal or for them just to be based on their looks. There's so much more that they could be out there. And I started to think, well, hold on, if I'm, you know, 
well-educated woman. I, you know, I read a lot and I'm struggling to find female role models. What hope did the younger generation have? And I just noticed, you know, especially in the British newspapers, there's just such a lack of representation for women. And and the women they do end up showing look a certain way, which is generally very skinny, white women with with blonde hair. And I just thought this isn't the representation that, that I want. And I want to be able to increase the amount of female role models in the media. And I kept hearing about these incredible women out there who are you know climbing mountains swimming across the you know, English channel doing these amazing running races and cycling races or sailing around the world or cycling around the world and I just thought hold on I've got to be able to share these stories and somebody said to me it's like why don't you do it on a podcast and I was just like oh I'm not technical I don't know how to do this but I do understand the power of podcasting you know like I said before that like hearing that somebody's passion in their voice when they're speaking and that's that's how it all sort of came about so I started doing the interviews with a tough girl podcast and that's just grown and grown and grown and now there is over you know 200 women's stories it won a national national award last year um, the women's the women's sports trust be a game changer award so tough girl challenges base is basically it's sort of uh, you know it's the podcast there's a blog there there's more information about my own personal challenges that I do to step outside my comfort zone but what I'm really trying to build it up to be is this resource so people can come when you know somebody says oh there's not enough women in adventure or women don't hike or women don't cycle or women don't do x y and z then people can say well hold on that go to tough girl challenges and you can read about all of these incredible women of a whole variety of different ages doing a whole variety of different challenges and you can listen to them in their own voices um, and, and be inspired by them. So I, you know, I put out new content every single week, and it's just going to build and build and build. So it's something that I'm, you know, really, really passionate about. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, it, it hasn't been since I've, uh, just since I've been listening to podcasts, I've been really starting to understand what you're what you're talking about there. When uh, sometimes women uh, that may look a certain way or or just don't fit that model that you were describing. Um, maybe they don't feel like they have a place because they haven't never seen themselves in that in that slot and uh, I you know I've heard a lot of different people talk about this in different ways that really opened my eyes uh, recently I was listening to LeVar Burton I'm not sure if you know who he is uh, reading Rainbow uh, Star Trek Next Generation and, but one thing he was mentioning is uh, he's a black African American guy and he mentioned that when he started reading Rainbow back in I believe it was the 80s uh, he he said it really helped people of color to read because before that they, they didn't think they needed to. They never saw anybody in their, you know, with their ethnicity doing that. So I, I really, I can really resonate with what you're saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think representation is so important and even, um, which even just like the ages of women. So I've spoken to a lot of women who are, you know, in their, in their sixties and older and some of them say, I mean, I really, it's like when people say, I can't do that because I'm too old. And I'm like, no, no, no. Age is just a number. Yeah. So um, I think it's, it's great to be able to, to get these stories out there and for other women to, to hear them because it actually, you know, it does cause a ripple effect. Because I get so many messages from women saying, oh, you know, I listened to your podcast and I listened to that episode and it really touched me and it made me think, you know what, actually, I'm going to put my trainers on. I'm going to go and do get outside and go for, for a run. And to be honest, you know, not everyone's going to be an Olympian. Not everyone wants to go and run multiple marathons. Not everyone wants to go and do crazy big adventures. But actually, they might want to do challenge, you know, something that challenges them personally, whatever that may be. And I think one of the rules that I have is basically it's not about comparison. It's not about comparing yourself to to other women out there. But it's about sort of being able to look at them and think, well, hold on, if she can do it, then maybe I can do it as well. And I think 
that's where the power is. It's just, you know, seeing this whole variety of different women, different ages, different backgrounds who do different challenges. And it's not it's not all, you know, middle middle aged women who are single in their 30s with no kids. It's, you know, women who adventure with children after they've after they've had um, gone through you know, difficult and challenging personal circumstances, whether that's cancer or whether that's, you know, having a brain tumor. I spoke to a lady called um, Kiko Matthews, who who did have a brain tumor and, you know, went through some very, you know, challenging times. And then she went on to row the Atlantic Ocean and got a Guinness World Record. And, you know, when you hear stories like that, it's just inspiring. It does make you think, well, hold, hold on, what can I do differently in my life what how can I just add a little element of adventure a little bit of challenge how can I you know really sort of make sure that I'm living life to the fullest well you mentioned uh that certain people can inspire you and I know it's down the same lines but um, not necessarily inspiration but who do you look up to oh do you know I've got such a massive roster like it's there are just so many women out there. I mean, I do actually, I really like that. I like the ladies who are like in their fifties plus I find them, some of their, some of their life stories are absolutely incredible. I think also the women who've had children. So I don't, I don't have children, but um, my, I went and stayed with my, my brother over in Australia and he's got two little ones. He's got a little three-year-old called Grayson and, and my nephew, Charlie, he's like nine months. <laughs> and I, I was just, I was exhausted. I was broken. Uh, and, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm thinking, hold on, I'm meant to be like this athlete and super fit and, you know, three hours of babysitting during the day. And I just be like, I, I need to give them back. I, I can't do it anymore. So I've just got so much respect for, for women who are out there, who are, um, who, who are, you know, looking after children, working a full-time job, but still managing to go out and fit exercise and fit, you know, whether it's running, walking, cycling, into their life and managing to do it um I think so I I do have this wonderful like social media feed now because basically I just follow women in the adventure and the adventure and sports predominantly and um so I'm always getting inspired I think that's the other big problem is I I keep hearing about these different challenges I'm just like oh maybe I should row an ocean oh I'd love to go cycle there or oh I could definitely go and do that hike or wouldn't it be amazing to go and do x y and z so I think that's one of one of the challenges when you keep hearing about all these different opportunities and things that you can do in the world is trying to narrow it down and pick a hole and what do I actually want to want to do but I think there's a huge amount of inspiration out there and I think with social media as well we are it's in, it's incredible what the the power of social media i know there can be some negative aspects of it but um for me being able to go onto instagram read people's blogs listen to people's podcasts watch their youtube channels um and see these women out there absolutely smashing it is is incredible well cool i can relate to um i believe you said it's your niece uh grace um yep. i have two daughters a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and i try my best to put them in uh, i give them opportunities i should say uh to to live outside of the box that maybe um, my wife wouldn't necessarily do um, because I am an outdoor enthusiast uh, of sorts. And so I, I try to get them out there. And so what, what type of words would you say to the younger uh, generation then? Do you know, I think, I, I think that's really interesting because I think I, one of the things that I struggled with when I, when I was with uh, with my little little niece was is letting her to do things by herself. You know, when she's like trying to like climb up things, and you, I always want to be like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, be safe. Whereas actually, you do want to encourage them in terms of being able to take risks. I think the other thing that I really want to talk to like the younger generation a little bit about is about failure and this fear of failure that a lot of 
that a lot of women have, which almost ties in with perfectionism mm. and trying trying to be perfect. I know it's something that I massively struggled with, definitely throughout my throughout my school years. You know, honestly, like feeling feeling like a failure if I didn't get like a hundred percent or I didn't get like an A grade, and and trying to please everybody all the time. And I think a lot of women end up in this sort of bubble where they're trying to be perfect and they don't want to fail. And yet failure is so, so important because that is how you grow and grow and develop. And it is how you get better. And I just almost want to encourage more people to to let them know it's okay to fail. It's okay to to not succeed all the time. And, you know, I actually had um, a recent experience, which I do actually share when I give my talks, um, which was I... So in the UK, we have something called like white collar boxing, where you train for eight weeks and you step inside a boxing ring and and they pay, you know, match you up with somebody of, you know, equal height, weight, etc. And everyone, the expectations on me were, well, fairly, you know, I was very, I am very, very fit in comparison to, say, other people who maybe don't do the amount of exercise that I do. And, you know, with like my mental training and my mental resilience and my determination and my positive mental attitude, like a lot of people, I wasn't overconfident, but I was very confident going in there that I was going to, I was winning this match. Like I was walking out of that ring an absolute winner. And it was really difficult when you, when, well, A, it's not nice when you get hit in the face and you've got a thousand people going, ooh, but then when you when you when you don't win and you put yourself out there in a very, very public way and then suddenly it's like it is that word, it's that failure word, that F word. And it's just like, hold on, what do I need to learn from this experience? How can I process it? And even with you know, the Appalachian Trail, I set myself a target of doing it in 100 days. And to be honest, throughout the whole journey, I constantly thought, I'm going to fail. I mean, by the way, this is a, you know, a challenge I set myself. You know, I do a lot of this stuff for me. It's I set the time pressure. Um, so it is a choice, a choice that I made. But even so, it's very interesting feeling those, that feeling of failure for almost 98 days, 99 days, because it was so towards the end. I was so far, not so far behind, but um, I wasn't on target until like the final day as such. Um, and knew that I was going to actually finish it. And I think that's a really interesting learning curve to be able to go through and to be able to think, well, hold on, it's it's not it's not as black and white as sort of like pass or failure. It's actually more about the journey. And I really want young girls to almost get used to to failing, to be like, it's okay to fail because the best thing that you can possibly do is to try something new, see how you get on. And, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. You don't start out when you start running, for example. You don't start out by running a marathon, you know. I couldn't make it to the closest lamppost down the street. It's, you know, you've got to build these things up. But it is getting past that fear of failure. I think that's such an important message for for young women and and girls growing up to be like, it's okay to fail. It's okay to learn. It's okay um, to, to go through this. And it's how you're going to grow and develop. Yeah, and one of the things as you're sitting there describing your uh, boxing match, um, that like especially for a young kid, um, a young girl uh, or boy, I guess, um, that uh, that conquering a fear too. I mean, the fact that you went into that ring with as much confidence as you had is a win right there. I would think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know what. It's okay to be fearful, like, to, but I mean, I try and use maybe like different words depending on the situation, like, especially 
like public speaking, for example, that's another classic one. Like when I'm with other people and like, oh, you know, oh, I'm so I, I'm, I'm actually struggling to remember the word because I don't say it to myself. Like, oh, you know, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Well, those feelings of nerves are exactly the same feelings that you're going to have if you're excited about something. So sometimes it can be about reframing it and saying, actually, no, I'm excited about this opportunity and, and trying to think about things um in a different way but but facing up to those things and, and actually doing it is is incredibly powerful oh that's great uh can you talk about like so what about you when you were younger um how you i can't imagine you just jumped on to the appalachian trail without you know these these runs and challenges and things without any kind of uh inspiration when you're younger not necessarily looking for somebody that inspired you but what what were some of your first times being outdoors doing activities like this yes in the uk we have something called the duke of edinburgh award um and it's basically it's a bronze silver and gold and um it's basically all about hiking and getting outdoors it's like there's normally like three or four parts to it so there's like a social aspect to it there's a community aspect there's a physical fitness and there's like a skill um don't 100 quote me on that because it's been quite a while since i since i've done that but that's when i was about 13 14 and I did that up till about 18 so you do these like little challenges and I remember for like the, my gold Duke of Edinburgh the challenge was over four days to walk like 50 miles or something and to be honest, that was big and scary you know I mean I remember thinking back to my backpack and what I packed you know to carry it was absolutely ridiculous because you don't necessarily know and it's all part of that learning experience so so I was very lucky getting to do that I was very into sports as well um I, I played lacrosse I played hockey netball rounders so I did like sports I did like exercise um, I do like being like fit and active. Um, I think that's that sort of like tr- that carried on throughout university. And when I was at university, I used to row for, row for my university. Well, not my row for my college. So I was at Durham, and I used to row for Hilden Bees. I also played lacrosse. <coughs> excuse me. But then after after I left um, university and started work, it completely changed because suddenly. I didn't have all this free time. I was working ridiculous hours. You know, you're working like 10, 11, 12 hour days and fitness and exercise just went out of the window. And um, for me, I was it was when I was about, I think I must have been 24 and I wasn't earning very much money at that point. And I basically, I paid for like my rent and my food bills and everything else like this. And I wasn't being paid until Friday, but I still had like five days to go. And it was like, how am I going to get to work? Like, oh my God, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go into my, I don't want to go into my overdraft. I don't want to borrow money. I, you know, how can I fix this? And work at that point was only like three miles away. And I thought, well, hold on, why don't I run to work? That would be awesome. We've got showers at work. And that's actually how I ended up getting back into running when I was older, was basically because I couldn't afford to, to get to my work. So I, Put, packed my little I had a little tiny backpack packed it with my you know little towel and my my work clothes ran into work it took me you know 50 60 minutes or whatever to cover the three miles absolutely destroyed me on the way there but I did it there and back every day and then this was during the summer and I thought you know what this is actually an incredible way to actually start my day because I've already achieved something I've run to work I'm getting there for seven in the morning I've had my shower I'm at my desk at like 7 30 I've already done like an hour and a half before everybody else comes in. And then when I leave in the evening, I'm totally stressed out of my head. But then I run home and I'm de-stressed and I feel really good. And um, that's and that's basically how I ended up getting into running again. Started running to and from work and then gradually decided, okay, well, let's, let's build this up and let's sign up for the London Marathon. And I signed up for the London Marathon when I was like 25 
And then I not necessarily enjoyed it so much the first time, but I definitely wanted to do it again. And because I don't do things by halves, I thought, well, do you know what? I've done it once. Why don't I run it every year until I'm 30? And then that's what I ended up doing. So I think it does it does build. And I think it also does, um, uh, depending on like, you know, who your friends are, you become who, you know, like the five people that you sort of hang out with um, the most. And yet, pretty, you know, all my friends are, are into sports and fitness and, and running and yoga and all this type of stuff. So I think I was, I was very lucky to to grow up in that very sort of positive, um, sporty environment. So I did have those opportunities. So I was very privileged in, in that way. Have you ever been a part of um, any kind of a challenge or um, other than I would say like the marathons, which are, are you know, very public, um, something that, that people would maybe have seen you on, uh, you know, just something. Have you been ever been in a public manner doing some sort of a challenge or outdoor thing uh when you say public what do you mean like like on tv or something well that or just something that's heavily um talked about uh not really i possibly say probably my youtube channel like um so i did so i vlogged like the appalachian trail um and one of i did like a short film like the six minute short film and that's been viewed like over thirty thousand times or something and all the videos like over three hundred thousand times that's probably the most public that, that i've done um obviously I'd, I'd like more people to see and watch but um yeah yeah i was noticing that on your youtube um seemed like uh, it's funny because i've put some of my podcasts at when i very first started which <laughs> I look back at some of my first podcasts and think, oh man, these are horrible, but uh, Mm -hmm. not because of the people, more just because of my production level. But, um, and I I saw that you put some of your podcasts on there and, you know, the views for your Appalachian Trail are just so personalized and so raw. Um, They just seem to get so many more uh, for the runs and 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 that kind of thing, right? yeah no absolutely I was just gonna say I can really relate like I honestly I I cringe when I think back to like my first couple of episodes like (laughs) definitely the production and I don't actually I don't even introduce myself like I don't even say like hi this is Sarah from Tough Girl Challenges I'm literally like hi so today we're going to be speaking to Jessie and then off we go and it took a friend of mine to say because I just thought my friends and family were going to listen listen initially. I didn't think it would get as big as it's gotten. And then I had a friend tell me, he's like, Sarah, you realize you've never actually introduced yourself? It's like on the fourth episode. And I was like, no, I couldn't have been that stupid. And, and I hadn't. And so then I wrote, oh, it's, it's so bad. I wrote this cringeworthy like little spiel because I didn't feel confident enough to like to speak it out, just like just to talk about myself. And so I wrote it. It's like, hi, my name is Sarah Williams and I live in the UK and I'm the host of the tough girl. Oh, it's so bad. And like my favorite color is pink. And I like, Oh, it's yeah. Horrendous. But, <laughs> but this is like part of the journey about, about getting, um, about getting better. But you know, the reason I do put my, um, my podcast on YouTube is, is partly because it's one of the largest search engines out there. And so it's a great way for, mm. for people to, to find, to find the content. And, you know, some podcast episodes, you know, obviously majority of people do listen to podcast episodes, but you do have, um, other individuals who don't know how to listen to podcasts on their phone, but they can watch them or play them on their, uh, play them through YouTube. So I think it's just nice to be able to give people the option. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't trying to call you out for that. I just, <laughs> I just noticed the difference in, in viewership that just seemed to be so much. Um, one, I, you know, I'm interviewing somebody. I, I couldn't figure it out um, while I was asking you the question, but 
there's uh, something that seems like you'd be a perfect fit for. I don't know. Um, I'm interviewing somebody coming up, and they recently did the Great Outdoors Challenge, which I believe is in Europe. Um, have you heard of that? Haven't it sounds interesting? What is it? Uh, it just you know it <laughs> failed question there I guess, but uh, it's it's seen it's uh, um, some sort of a challenge where they they give you a certain amount of days to complete a backpacking trip, and it, it's not like a TV show or anything. It's just uh, you know different starting points and options, and uh, I don't know, just some sort of a challenge. I believe it's in Scotland, but anyway. Oh wow! Yeah. Sounds very cool. <laughs> yeah, I just it just kind of when I heard about it originally, I was like, uh, and then I was looking you up, and I was like, whoa, this is like perfect. You're already halfway there. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, uh, talk a little bit about what would be like something next. I noticed on your Instagram, uh, you do a good job of of kind of showing people what you've done and what you're doing currently, which is yoga and let's see, I'm I'm not there right now. Yoga and PT, which is not, I shouldn't have laughed because that's obviously a big deal. Um, what what would 2020 look like? Oh, that's such a great question. And you know, it's something I'm actually really struggling with at the moment. I don't know. So I have to get really, I love it, you know, when like an idea or a seed gets planted and then it just sort of grows and develops and then you get more and more excited about it and you know that that's what you've got to do and that's what you'll that's what that is what you're going to go out and achieve I honestly don't know for for 2020 like I don't I don't even really know because I've just only recently finished my personal training qualification so I'm sort of in this in this limbo land where nothing is planned which is very strange to me I'm a real planner I like having things planned I like knowing what's coming up I like to know what I'm working towards and all I've got ahead of me is this like not six empty months but I basically don't know. And I know that that's a really rubbish answer to give on a podcast, but sometimes I'm just sort of waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to come available, what's going to take my, like, take my fancy almost um, to see what's going to happen. I mean, I do have, there is lots of things I have on my bucket list. There's just so many variables, like, you know, whether it's timing and I also like the sunshine and the heat and I don't necessarily want to be in the UK over winter. And like, do I do or do I go back to America? Do I go to Australia? Do I go spend time in Asia? Do I go to India? Um, sometimes I think there's almost like a little bit too much choice. So I, I don't know as yet. So I'm just open to ideas and suggestions and just almost waiting for the one to to take hold and for me to be really like yes that is what I want to go and do that's what I'm going to go and achieve next. Right on yeah and, and just to kind of clarify for listeners uh, the only reason I ask is because I, I I realize that we're only halfway through 2019 uh, basically but uh, with the big adventures that you have done in 2016 17 and 18 I would imagine that it takes a lot more planning than than just uh, oh decide to go next week and do something. So that was why, why I was asking about 2020. No, I like it. I mean, to be honest, the, the big challenge is more about the preloading content when, when I go away. So um, to make sure that there's still podcast episodes coming out, I have to try and like preload like three months worth. Um, and that's probably possibly like the maximum amount that I'd be able to, to preload. Um, and so for something like say Pacific coast, um, episode sorry the pacific crest trail which i'd love to go and go and hike i wouldn't want to do that one in like a hundred days i'd want to do that at a slower pace but to preload five months worth of content is just i don't know if that's just a stretch too far for me so i just yeah it's, it's trying to balance all of that out and also like balance out the, the finances and the money because obviously you know things things like this do cost money to, to go and do so um yes yeah, like all of these things i really need to like to consider and to go through and to 
figure out what's going to work best and how is it all going to fit together and how can I make it work basically. Right. Uh, what about, uh, I noticed you have a, a tab on your website for books. Um, are you an author? Yeah, I, well, I'm a self, self-published author, so I think that still counts. Um, yeah, so one of the first books I wrote was actually about climbing Kilimanjaro. So when I when I sort of took this like midlife break as such, I went and climbed Kilimanjaro and so many people were asking me about it. I thought, oh, I'll just write everything down and you know, put it all in a book. And I also thought at that point that, you know, if I don't go back into or if I want to go back into full time employment and employers like interviewing me and asking me, it's like, oh, so what have you been doing with your time off? And I'm like, oh, I've traveled here and I've traveled there and I've done X, Y and Z. It's, it's probably not going to have added that much value. Whereas if actually, you know, if I've written a book and self-published a book, then at least I've actually achieved something. So, you know, it's a great process to go through. And I, it's really, really good fun to to actually document it and share. Again, I mean, I do actually cringe when I think back to what I've written in the book. But, you know, I wrote it, <laughs> what, four, four years ago. And it's got, oh, like the introdu- introduction chap- chapter about myself. But do you know what? It, it, it's how I was feeling at the time. It, it was... Um, it was all, you know, transparent and truthful of, of what was, what was happening at that point. So, yeah, so I wrote a book about climbing Kilimanjaro. And then the Marathon de Saabs, actually, no, sorry, after that, I um, one of the things I did on my sort of my, my midlife gap year was I actually went and spent six months working in the mountain as a chalet host. And um, I decided to, to write about that as well, just, you know, to, to share with people like how to actually go and spend six months in the mountains, what life is like, what are the top tips, what's the advice, um, how you can go from, from A to B. So I wrote Chalet Hosting, your step-by-step guide. And then the Marathon de Saabs, which is, you know, so Marathon de Saabs is running six marathons in six days across the Sahara Desert. It, the, the Marathon de Saabs is like the Marathon of the Sands. So it's quite an incredibly well-known popular race it was named by the discovery channel as sort of the world's toughest foot race and it's been going for like over 30 years it, it's it's an incredible um yeah an incredible adventure to run through this hard desert absolutely amazing and um a lot of people are very interested in excuse me in that aspect so i so i wrote about marathon de Sardes again talking more about you know, changing my life from, from being a banker to then working in adventure and, and the journey that I've been on. So that sort of takes you from uh, from the initial time period of leaving work in 2013 to doing the Marathon de Saabs in, in 2016, because I actually had quite a... Um, I had quite a bad year basically in 2015 where I ended up getting very, very ill. I had like chronic fatigue and I was bed bound and like my hair was falling out and like my left eye was deteriorating. I had a lot of, a, a lot of like, health problems and it was how I, you know, how I turned it around, got myself fit again. And for me, the challenge of Marathon de Sars wasn't actually doing the race. It was actually getting to the start line, being fit and healthy and then going out there and, and doing this. So, um, yeah, a lot of information, um, in that in there as well you are a tough girl and um but do you still get those people those those the people that uh that want to put their fears on you oh absolutely all the time but i but i but i know that now so i know that when people are talking to me so for example when i was when i was cycling uh, most recently and this one actually this one slipped slipped through so i'm very comfortable traveling by myself i'm very i you know i've done it a lot i i you know i feel very experienced etc and um but when people are talking to you sometimes they will talk about their own fears so be like oh 
well, aren't you worried about this, this and this? And so mm. when it was, when it, for me, it was like, aren't you worried about Mexico? Aren't you worried about the border? Aren't you worried about this, this, this? And to be honest, like normally I'm very good at like blocking it out, but sometimes you can be little cracks maybe, or little bits of vulnerability. And especially when you don't necessarily know um, the, the country as well, you know, I'm not completely shut down that I don't take on board advice or I don't listen. Um, but sometimes I think you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. So it got to the point where actually it was starting to, uh, worry me. And I was thinking, hold on, if so many people are saying that I shouldn't cross the border in, into Mexico by myself and that I need to do it with other people, then actually maybe I should listen to this. So that's actually what I ended up doing, which turned out to be the most horrendous decision. So, um, I actually met through a Facebook group, met two guys, um, who wanted to do the Baja divide with me, um, or wanted to do the Baja divide. So we decided to cross the border together. We had a fabulous, like three, four days together and then my back, uh, my back rack broke on my bike. And so that I had to then, well, I thought, oh, it's okay. Well, the guys will have waited for me at the next stop because this was like, you know, halfway through the day, at like 12 o'clock it broke. And basically I, kept, I thought, well, I'll come across them started walking my bike out I was still walking four hours later and they hadn't stopped and waited for me they basically left me in the desert mm. um, and so that can be like a real a real challenge but a lot of the times what I hear now is when people ask me questions are you, you know are you worried about whatever it is are you worried about bears are you worried about snakes what are you worried about being mugged or attacked then what I found is it is actually them sharing their fears with you and it's got nothing to do with me at all and also a lot of people who are trying to give you advice or information so for for example um when I wanted to go and visit uh, Vietnam I had people who'd never traveled before telling me oh I shouldn't go and visit that country and you know there's there's problems and there's poverty and that there's risk and there's danger and I'm thinking you've ne you haven't even left the UK you haven't even been into Europe you don't know um, you don't really know what you're talking about. Um, and I think also the media has a lot to play in, in what in terms of what they promote in terms of like the, the negative stuff that they're putting out there. Um, you know, 99.9% .9 of people out there are, are kind and generous and lovely. And to be honest, I've had more um, kindness from strangers than I can even remember just you know people who've who've given me lifts who, who've bought me food who've shown given me help with my bike or help with directions um and so that you know there's a great website have you heard of like warm showers no is that kind of like couch surfing or yeah, very very similar to couch surfing. It's for like bike tourists, so um, people who are who are cycling, they can go and stay with these families who put them up, give them a place to stay, feed them dinner. And you know, I met so many incredible people who are opening up their homes and just like letting people come in and um, you know, use their electricity and dry their camping gear out. So um, yeah, there's there's there are there are other people's fears out there, and I think sometimes you've just got to be able to to manage them. But also that comes from experience, and that also comes from building up your own confidence in your skills and your abilities about what it is that you can do and and what your limits are. So obviously, you know, I'm not suggesting if you've never done anything um, like this before, maybe don't go straight into if you never cycled on a bike before, never go don't go straight into cycling four thousand kilometers. You know what I mean? Sometimes it is worth building it up and and taking things one step at a time. But obviously, everybody's everybody's different and got different experiences and different backgrounds and, and everything else and you do have to take that into consideration yeah for sure um do you, do you uh ever get hurt or injured in any of your adventures or on trail or uh running anything yes i do well actually when i started training for marathon de Sables, and this sounds like such an awful no, no i was gonna say such an awful injury but it's not i actually broke my little toe 
And I know that doesn't sound bad, but the problem is when you break your little toe is your body then compensates. So you end up running in a different way, which so if you break your little toe, it will then impact on your knee and your hip and everything else. And so you'll run a little bit differently. So that was a bit of a nightmare before Marathon de Saab's. And actually one of the big issues that I'm actually having at the moment is I've got lazy glutes and like, um, because my glutes weren't firing when I was doing or, or weren't firing properly on the Appalachian Trail, like my left knee ended up sort of turning inwards more. So I've got quite a few like knee problems at the moment. So I'm sort of working on that and building up the strength and building up the muscle, which is one of the reasons I started doing a lot of more yoga um, to, to build up to that. But apart from that, apart from my lazy glute and my uh, bad left knee, I've been pretty, pretty good. Like I haven't had any real serious touch wood uh injuries or anything else like that so i'm yeah i'm normally pretty good pretty strong pretty healthy oh good yeah uh sometimes some cool stories come out of that um that's why i ask and, and you know the <laughs> pinky toe um man I, you know i hurt i believe it was my pinky toe as well when i was in football and, in high school and you know you don't think about how much you use your pinky toe until you know you have a, a sort of an injury on it and i can only imagine trying to run consistently with it well, it did actually, t- I was quite, because I, I li- I'd done, so for Marathon de Saab's, I'd done basically like six months of um, packing on muscle. So a lot of weightlifting, getting super, super strong. And then beginning of um, January for three months, that's when I started the endurance phase and started running. So I, I still remember it because I started running on the 4th of January. And that was the day that I did break, break my little toe. And I needed to, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'm quite bad at like getting like massages and stuff like that. And after I started running and I was, I was started to do pretty big mileage, um, I literally needed to start getting massages because it was having such an impact on, on my knee and my hips and everything. So yeah, definitely. It does have knock on consequences of anybody who's done it, but I wish I really wish I had a cooler story than oh, a no, breaking no, my little toe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you don't to this point. Um, and, and by the way too, uh, lazy glutes, uh, that sounds like a derogatory term you might might say to somebody. <laughs> it is. I know it's like you're such a lazy ass, but yeah, yeah lazy person. Yeah, it's oh, funny. Um, I won't call you that because you're certainly not. Um, is there anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, websites, blogs, uh, you know, all your your Instagram, that kind of thing. Oh, you know, it's the best place. I mean, you mentioned it earlier is to visit, go and visit toughgirlchallenges.com, especially um, if you've got women in your family or you're raising young daughters and you're looking for role models or inspiration or it's something you do in, do in the classroom or you're part of a running group, go and check out toughgirlchallenges.com and there's access to the podcast, the blog and all of the books. You will find inspiration on the website. There's so much information on there. You know, go check it out come and follow me at tough girl challenges on instagram i do do a lot of stories which um which i think are hilarious but <laughs> i'm not sure other people i'm not sure other people necessarily do um but i sort of show more of like behind the scenes and, and what i get up to so a lot of you know what i do at the gym a lot of my healthy eating although it's not always healthy eating sometimes i do have like a magnum ice cream every once in a while um but yeah so i, I do enjoy like sharing and documenting my life and just showing other people you know what i get up to and, and how i do it yeah that's good um, one more thing. Um, <laughs> I don't do a very good job of promoting mine. Uh, it seems like you do a pretty good job at yours. Um, what are you doing on Patreon? What, oh, Patreon. Do, do, oh, Patreon is amazing. A total life changer. I love it. Do you have a Patreon account? I do. I've got some amazing people over there that support me. Um, I, but you have a lot more and, uh, I don't really necessarily do a great job of promoting it, but I do I, appreciate I mean, those I, that are on there. Yeah, I mean, I actually, 
it that massively helped me. I can't. I think I've been doing it for maybe like two and a bit years. Um, I think it does take a while for people to because re- obviously people have, have been spoiled because they're used to getting free content all the time. And I, I basically I shared a blog post maybe two years ago where it's like, how do I afford to blog and podcast? Because I think you know through social media people can get like the wrong wrong idea about your life. And and I had to basically say. Um, you know, guys, I'm I'm back at the point. I'm 34 years old. I've moved back in with my parents. I don't pay rent. I, you know, I work. I used to. I have like three part-time jobs. I'm washing dishes at the weekend to be in to in order to be able to to fund this because you know, website hosting costs money. Um, the time and energy it takes in order to to produce a podcast all costs money. And I think that that sort of opened up a lot of people's eyes to be like, oh wow, I actually. Well, I support Sarah and I love the work that she's doing. And actually, I really support increasing the amount of female role models in the media. And actually, I want to get behind her. Um, let me support at the $2 level, the $5 level, you know, whatever level that you can afford. And it has just built and built and built. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm I'm still not at that point where I'm fully like self-sufficient just on Patreon. I still do live back with my parents. I, you know, I was recently down in London, but I was working at Royal Ascot. It's one of my many jobs. I sell like silk top hats, very random. Um, but Patreon... Uh, is amazing. I mean, the amount of love and gratitude I have for for the individuals who support the work that I do is is incredible, and I I think it's amazing for for creators. But it does it does ebb and flow. Um, but it yeah, it's it's amazing not to be going into debt for producing and for doing something that you that you love and that you're so passionate about. Yeah, you know, uh, I really resonate with what you said there about uh, you know time is money. And, uh, you know, I do, I personally spend a lot of time on, on this podcast. I just recently took a, a pretty good chunk off about a month and a half, two months, uh, with moving and whatnot. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I, and I've never done this to like try to become some sort of a millionaire or anything. Um, but I, it is nice to, that those that do support, uh, that, that go over there. So, um, definitely if you, if you're feeling any inspiration from Sarah, please go over to, uh, to her Patreon and check that out as well. Thank you. That would be awesome. I was going to say, and sometimes it's, you know, it's not necessarily about, like, I know I'm never going to make millions from doing what I do, but I love what I do and I know how important it is, like, to, to get these stories out there and to get that message out there. Um, and obviously, you know, don't get me wrong, I'd love to be able to do this when I was, like, if I was still being paid, like, my banker salary. But in terms of, like, happiness and freedom and you know, living a life that, that I love, I would so much rather be doing this than working God knows however many hours and pretty much killing myself and being miserable and so unhappy, but then having a, you know, a very nice paycheck at, at the end of the day, it just wasn't, wasn't worth it. But obviously it is a balance. It is a balance. You've got to be able to, you know, to pay your bills at the end of the day. Um, and everyone does have bills. Yeah. And, it, and it's nice that Patreon is there because, um, mm. it does, it does allow that because, you know, I, I've had people not on the podcast, but outside of this, uh, they might say something like, man, I, I wish I could be uh, a full time writer or a podcaster or something like that. Not not talking about me. I'm talking about them. And, and they say, I just don't know how to do that. And Patreon at least at least puts a foot in the door on trying to do that. So it's, it's pretty cool that that option's there. Yeah, 100 percent. Totally agree. Totally agree. It, honestly, when I heard about it, I was just like this 
this is amazing. Like, and I remember starting, I, I got like my first two patrons and it was like $9 a month or something. I was like, oh my God, well, this pays for my Ophonic every month, which is, you know, to improve the sound quality and to make it even better. Um, and it's just grown and grown and grown. So yeah, patreon.com forward slash tough girl podcast. <laughs> there you go. Right on. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I'm, I honestly subscribe to the podcast. It's great. Uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I did forget to, to ask real quick, um, what just kind of in general, it doesn't have to be hiking related because people love stories of all kinds. I happen to listen and I forget the gal's name. Um, you interviewed her and she uh, had had uh, rode or, or how, however you describe it, a kayaked uh, the Nile and dealing with hippopotamus and, and, and all that stuff. And it's like, whoa, is there an episode that you uh, typically would recommend to somebody say, hey, you know, check out the podcast, listen to this one? Oh my God, that's such a difficult question. Um, it, it really does. I, I think every episode is obviously fantastic and amazing. Um, I think it really does depend almost like maybe what, what your what your interests are. I mean, so the one you're talking about is, is Sarah Davis, who did like, the first female-led Nile River expedition, which is incredible, like over 6,800 kilometers from, from Rwanda to the Mediterranean Sea. Um, you know, a couple of my personal favorites, um, I, I, I end up changing them about really because like they're just so interesting. I mean, Chrissy Wellington, she's a huge inspiration. So she's a British triathlete and she was a four-time world Ironman champion, but she's also like a wife and a mum. And she shares more about like her journey of how she got into triathlon. And and she basically she didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but she basically blew up on the scene. And so that's absolutely um incredible. Um Kate Rawls, I I love her. She, you know, she's she's um She's like a philosopher, writer, activist. And so she's coming. She did a she did a bike tour throughout South America called the Life Cycle Biodiversity Bamboo Bike Ride. And she made her own made her own bamboo bike. And then but she talks about stuff from the perspective of the environment. Um, Anna McNuff, she is just an absolute character. So she's currently running the full length of Great Britain barefoot. So doing barefoot running. Um and her her partner actually just recently ran. Uh, he's called oh, I'm going to forget his name now. Jamie McDonald, and he recently ran around America, or like from Vancouver down to San Diego, across Texas, across you know the the lower states, and then all the way back up to New York and above. Um, and then he went and did broke a Guinness World Record by running over like 530 odd miles in a treadmill in like seven days. So Anna McNuff's like totally, totally inspiring, really, really funny for anybody who's dealing with anxiety or um, with their with their mental health in terms of getting outside and doing new stuff. Paula McGuire, incredible woman, like her levels of anxiety and um, and the stuff that she was dealing with, how she talks about it and what she's doing now is just absolutely inspiring. Um, yeah, but there's so there's so many episodes. Uh, that's probably not helpful. You probably just wanted like one really good one. Oh, I've also been on my podcast as well, so you can actually listen to my episodes. So, like I've had like my sister interview me after the Appalachian Trail, um, and I've also done solo episodes, Pacific Coast Highway. I've done two actually. I've done one about the planning and preparation, and then I've also done one afterwards about you know completing the the trail and uh, so, sorry the Pacific Coast Highway in the Baja California, um, and talking about that. And there's also another episode about Marathon de Sabs as well. Um, they're like the extra episodes, so they're obviously they're well worth listening to. <laughs> I think start with one, and then you just want to download all two hundred, and then yeah. you'll, that's a that's a lot of content for me. That's a lot of my voice in your head. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, if they did, they certainly didn't get enough here because you've got some good content. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. 
don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. So come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could never be wrong. Where you want to run, baby, I'll run too. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl if I could just find